Welcome to the first edition of the Game Preview Podcast presented by WinBet. Betting's a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. I'm Ethan Greenberg here in the BetMGM studio, joined alongside Cynthia Freeland in Hermosa Beach, California, where it is early in the morning. So thank you very much for joining us. It's not too early. I like to be on East Coast time. I got to know what's going on. I can't be late. Okay, fair enough. Well, you know, I'm excited for this podcast. Basically, I'm going to give a little... uh, little snapshot of what's on tap. Obviously, we're going to talk Jets-Panthers. We've incorporated Cynthia's numbers throughout the podcast, but we're also just going to talk different matchups, the vibes around both teams, especially this week heading into week one. And I just want to paint this picture for the audience. At 1.44 in the morning, East Coast time, there was an email sent from you, Cynthia Freeland, that had 11 pages, over 3,500 words, of different numbers, different stats. And I I just want to know, like, how long did that take to put together? Your girl's really excited about talking about actual football. So, you know, it's been a while. Preseason football was, I was glad we had it, but Lord, I am ready for some real action. (laughs) So I'm just excited. It's not going to be that aggressive every time, but it was a little aggressive, just a little aggressive. It wasn't, it wasn't, maybe it was, maybe it was, but (laughs) even, even still it was, it's very beneficial to us, you know, to me cranking out or looking at some of these numbers before we start. I've color coded. If you're watching, you can see some of the yellow. We got some orange for the Panthers here. This way, you know, I can keep the Jets and the Panthers separate. Well, this is what we have. All right. We're going to break each podcast down into four downs, right? So you have first down, second down, third down, fourth down. But before all of that, we have our opening kickoff. And then at the end of the, you know, after fourth down, I guess, you know, this doesn't really make sense. So maybe we'll incorporate it before fourth down. Are we punting or or are we going for it? Maybe we're kicking a field goal if we're feeling spicy. So we'll, we'll get there as the podcast rolls on. But let's just start with our opening kickoff. It's been a while since a regular season game has taken place in the NFL. The Jets last played first week in January, week 17. Now they're 18 weeks. This is a completely different roster. New quarterback, new head coach, and of course, Cynthia, you knowing the NFL, of course they're playing their former quarterback in week one. I mean, you couldn't draw it up any any more entertaining than this. Listen, it to me, this is actually a win-win-win. It doesn't often happen like that. I think it was the right move for Sam Darnold. I think it was the right move for the Jets. I think it was the right move kind of for the entire league. This is a great first game. This is not a team. It's not a rivalry. You barely play the Panthers like once every, what, four years or something like that. And it's interesting to see, you know, how people evolve. So I actually think it's great for everyone. Like, it's it's great TV. It's great excitement for all of us. So I'm I'm in. I'm all in. You know, we, we just went to the one shot. What is over your left shoulder What that says fantasy on it? Like, fantasy, is it like a fantasy football trophy? Listen, you know, you're, I, like, this is the trophy. We we play in this fantasy live league on NFL Network, and this, it's it's a monster. It's like, it's gigantic. Where else in my house am I going to put this? Nowhere. It needs to be, it's gigantic. But so, you're the champ. Yeah, of course. Come on. The math. <laughs> you got to do it. It's huge. It's actually kind of heavy. I'm going to like drop it and hurt someone. There we go. <laughs> I, don't, don't toss it like Brady did, you know, on the no. boat parade. No, no one to catch it. <laughs> but that's the, that's the 2020 league champion trophy for you. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got to defend right. my title. And how many teams are we talking? 
Uh, there's 12 in that one. And then there's another one that we're in with the analytics people around the entire league, the actual people who work for teams. And that has 14 people in it. So that one's hard to win too, but wow. that one last year too, because got to get that dig in there. There's a, there's a giant guy on our, <laughs> on our team. So maybe he's watching. Okay. All right. You know what? If, if Hey, we, we, even though they're the crosstown rivals, if you're a giants fan and you're watching, we appreciate it. We, we like all viewership, right? <laughs> exactly. So let's start with first down here. You mentioned Sam Darnold, but for the Jets, they draft Zach Wilson second overall. He's the new quarterback for the New York Jets with the new head coach, Robert Sala. So let's talk about Zach Wilson and this Jets passing offense against this Panthers pass defense. And the Panthers have a young defense overall. And you think about where they started in the first round with J.C. Horn in the top 10. But, you know, I, before we get to the Panthers, you know, I got ahead of my skis here. Let's start with this. I found this fascinating. You in this is like on your first page of notes, your model, which I think you said is run like is double M's and capitals millions. Mm -hmm. OK, mm -hmm. so eighty one point six million simulations of the regular season. And you have Zach Wilson for favorite for rookie passing yards and touchdowns I do over Trevor Lawrence which you know whatever he was drafted second and for, versus first right so the interesting part there is I think this is actually going to be a really big strength of the Jets if I were looking a little further through the season because you got to get the timing and the ability to read defenses down so I'm not suggesting he's going to come out every single week and throw for 300 yards I have about 3,900 total yards for him that's a all projections in the beginning of the season seem low because remember everything's kind of put towards a median and then every week it either goes higher or lower than that. So they all kind of start at an average. So for me, Zach Wilson at 3907, very precise here. That's the kind of median projection that leads all rookie quarterbacks. And that even assumes I even pretended that they were going to put in all the rookies to begin. So even Trey Lance, even with if Justin Fields were to start. Nope, none of that. He's number one. Wow. All right. That actually get Jets fans pretty excited, especially you consider how Zach Wilson played this preseason. What did your numbers say about his performance in the, I guess he only played two out of the team's three games. Yeah, really good. So PFF ranks him second in their grading. Um, I kind of do it a little bit different. I use like this thing called wind share, which is kind of like war in baseball or player efficiency ratings in the NBA. So what I try to do is to see like, what's his average above other people and quarterbacks in those valuable positions. So quarterbacks always going to have the highest relative, you know, win share number. So right now for me, Zach Wilson's actually trending as the number, it, it goes with the other numbers as the number one highest win share quarterback amongst rookies. So that's a, I liked the performance. I also think the fit with Mike LaFleur is really what drives that. Why? Because what we saw from college, from BYU film, was this really good play action, super efficient. He could read defenses using play action, especially the type of play action that we've seen Mike LaFleur implement. We saw that in San Francisco. He was incredible at it, like a ridiculous number in the preseason. Okay, I'm not preseason. He had a perfect passer rating using it. No big deal. Just perfect. But <laughs> don't expect that to continue because that's just not how it works. Right. But ultimately, it's going to be a huge source of strength going forward. You know, you mentioned the success in this type of offense and for Zach Wilson, why Jets fans and why I think the Jets ultimately drafted Zach Wilson. This is a part of your stat sheet, so I have to give credit where credit is due. Wilson had a perfect passer rating on play action passes using outside zone run concepts at BYU. And you know, the jets are going to love the outside zone. And we're going to talk about that this show, 
But that just gives you a glimpse as to what kind of offense the Jets are going to run. You mentioned the you mentioned uh, play action. Well, how about Corey Davis, right? He's somebody that really stretched the field last year with the Tennessee Titans, who run a similar offense with Arthur Smith last year, now in Atlanta as the head coach, to what the Jets are probably going to implement this season. Yeah, so, well, first of all, we have to back up one thing because I love offensive linemen, and I love when <laughs> O-lines get better because that makes the whole thing just look, feel, be way better. And I, I live in Southern California. I watched a lot of Elijah Vera Tucker when he was at USC. That is a huge ad, like figuratively and literally a huge, he's a, he's huge. So it's a, it's a huge ad. And also Makai Beckson being healthy. We, we talked about it last season a lot. You know, it's all about that O-line, the ability to create some time and space so that you can run any type of concept, let alone outside zone concepts. So the moves that were made for that O-line a plus. I'm very happy. It's all going the right direction. You know, you don't fix everything in one fell swoop. You need to keep working on it. And all the ads of Morgan Moses, that's a great contract. These are really like savvy moves. I love all that's how you make Corey Davis work. That's how you use the fact Corey Davis. If you look to see what he did, okay, there's a metric that's in the next gen stats cards. It's like route yards per route run. And what that means is are you running deeper routes? Are you being used a lot? How efficient are you around the field? Like, what, what are you doing, right? Like, where, where are you going? How are you used? Well, Corey Davis ranked fourth in that metric. And the three guys in front of him, yeah, they were all pro bowlers. No big deal. So there's just <laughs> a lot of utility there that can be, can be really implemented and once they get the chemistry down. And one of those guys, A.J. Brown, is one of Elijah Moore's really good friends going back to Ole Miss. He's another guy, Cynthia, that I, I'm very excited to see. I mean, if you watch training camp every practice before he hurt his quad, I mean, he was making plays left and right, doesn't play in the preseason. But you look at his numbers at Ole Miss, uh, they are just absolutely disgusting. Let alone, you know, aside from the analytical numbers, you talk about 86 receptions, single-season school record at Mississippi, coming after guys like A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, who had immediate success in the NFL. Pretty good, and guys. You, you know, just yeah, kind of good. Just <laughs> your, your standard NFL receiver. I mean, whatever is in the water down in Oxford, it, it, it's some good H2O. And to quote Adam Sandler in The Waterboy, it is some high-quality H2O because Elijah Moore, he tore up the stat sheet, and then he comes here, and he started making plays from day one. I, I, I like everything that was done from the O-line and in the past catching situation. I think there this is a great – got to build for the future, and you also have to be mindful of the present. And I think both the O-line and the receiving core, that was done with A+. Like if I were – you know, I'm grading it, right? Because my grades matter. <laughs> A plus on both. The the interesting thing, look, every single rookie, it's gonna be it's the word I'm using is weird because they had a weird last year. Last year was not normal. And then we have an extra game this year. So we're gonna look at rookies and we're gonna give them a little bit of a like a, a, a mathematical like sort of asterisk there because some didn't play last season, some had very abbreviated seasons, some had super weird situations. So like give them a minute to get into the league and get acclimated and get everything going because it's just going to be, it's just going to be a little weird. Like look, rookies last year didn't have preseason and they didn't have any sort of normal training camp at all this year. They have more normal when it comes to that, but they didn't have a normal college season. So let's just, you know, well, we're, we're going to not expect them to be your fantasy superstar from day one, but like come week, you know, five, six, then we're going to, 
We're going to talk about, we'll start adding him to our fantasy lineups, and then you can get the big trophy. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Hey, if if Elijah Moore helps somebody get the big trophy, that means the Jets offense, specifically Elijah Moore is doing something right, which is music to Jets fans' ears. You know, we're talking a lot about the Jets offense because of, of the new New quarterback, two new receivers. We didn't even talk about Keelan Cole. But how about this Panthers defense? Because they're going to go up against a young defense. Robert Sala said they're extremely fast. We talked about J.C. Horn, who had just a stellar year, even though if you look at the stat sheet, he didn't really have a lot of pass defenses this past season. He didn't have a lot of interceptions, but he's just one of those guys where you don't even throw to that side of the field because of how good he is. Yeah, stats when it comes to defensive backs just all over – and some linebackers, coverage linebackers too, they don't really reflect the reality because if if you're getting targeted a lot, that means that they don't really respect you. The other quarterbacks, the other you know offensive play callers, you know they're they're throwing it to you. One of the things about J.C. Horn, can you see my arm? He has incredibly long arms. Sounds weird, but sometimes when you guys get these guys who are real like real long arms, he can like bat down things that are further away from him than others, right? And he uses his body control exceptionally well. The Panthers really liked him because of what they saw from his body control. So he can get closer and in situations and kind of scrum it up and be a part of, you know, knocking people down, even if the stat sheet doesn't reflect that. So when they were throwing kind of to to an area he could get to, then he gets to and he just he's just disru- he's like annoying. Like your, you know, your brother would like you know, it's just not touching you, not touching you, but still <laughs> touching you. <laughs> you know, J.C. Horn and all the rookies are going to have a little bit of an adjustment period, as one does, right? Like Zach Wilson, to your point, played exceptionally well in the preseason. Robert Sala has made it very clear throughout training camp and to this point on, you know, the leading up to the first game, like there will be rookie moments, right? Not all yes. moments will be glamorous. So expect that from not only... Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, also J.C. Horn on the Panthers side. But before, um, you know what? I'm going to save that question for after second down. So let's move to second down here. Let's focus on the Jets run game. You mentioned the offensive line. It all starts up front for the Jets on both sides of the ball. But for the offensive line, now with Elijah Vera Tucker at left guard, Connor McGovern loves this scheme. Mekhi Becton entering year two. The one guy I want to focus on is Morgan Moses. And as we're recording this podcast, Robert Sala says, whether it's Moses or George Fan at right tackle, we do not know the answer to that right now. You're going to find out when the Jets play on Sunday at 1 p.m. It's Moses. It's Moses. Come on. Oh, Cynthia's saying it's Moses. I mean, I don't know. Don't even, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. This guy's a great run blocker, especially. What do you want to do? You want to run the run? Oh, great. He's, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, that's my opinion, obviously. And I, I think you go with like the better talent, but you give everyone a chance and rotating in a few different types of looks, that's really smart. So it's not like I'm saying that one is bad or whatever, but I just think Morgan Moe's like a very underrated run blocker, very highly underrated run blocker. So I want to focus on Morgan Moses because again, I'm pulling up my cheat sheet here. I think this contrast is interesting. 
PFF had him the sixth highest run blocking grade among tackles in the NFL with minimum 100 blocking snaps. But on the contrary, his number as a pass protector don't seem to be very, very good in comparison to the run blocking numbers where he's tied for ninth most pressures allowed among tackles in 2020. Okay, let's put a little, let, everything needs context, right? So sometimes it, when you get these numbers and they're, you have to rank them, they just, they are what they are, right? Like if you ha- allow 38 pressures, then you allow 38 pressures. That's just what it is. But at the end of the day, you have to add in context. Who's standing next to him? Who was he going up against? What was the situation? Were you on, was it third and 22? Because it's, you know, <laughs> I, I think that the pass rusher is probably going to know What's going on? Were you were the other team blitzing a ton? Like, so you have to put it in context and take that run blocking and use it in this scheme and realize that for the return on investment, if you can get him to run block, then you're putting yourself in much better situations for more favorable passing situations so that the defense has to stay honest and respect both the run and the pass way better way. Everyone's numbers look way better if you're balanced. You know, and this is this is why we have you, right? You give us the numbers, and then you give us the context. Because in a vacuum, the number is not great. But to your point, everything does deserve context. And let's say it is Morgan Moses at right tackle on Sunday at Carolina. What do you make of this Jets offensive line, assuming it's fully healthy with Mackay Becton at left tackle in year two, Elijah Vera Tucker, Connor McGovern, Greg Van Roten, and then Morgan Moses? This is going to be a challenge this week because this defense, the way that they've redone their defense, and by the way, Brian Burns is a very, a very good pass rusher, kind of underrated league-wide. You don't hear his name kind of popping up as much as you hear some of the other guys. But it'll be interesting because they have a lot of defensive looks as well. So it's a young line. They're just learning how young, meaning working together, and you know the two most important facets, in my opinion, two most important people on it are both first or second year players. So it'll, it'll take a minute. I don't think this is going to be like, uh, it's not going to be like last year, but it's going to be uh, like, it's not going to be like, you know, it's not the Browns O-line, but it is all, it is not last year. So going in the right direction. And then it's going to be, it's going to look a lot better because Zach Wilson's ability to execute a lot of different things is a really good fit for who's teaching him and who you're taught by is very important. So I think that their skill sets matching will make the, Oh, everything will look better. Everything will look better. I'm glad you mentioned Brian Burns because he's somebody that we should definitely talk about, especially now that the Panthers have added Hassan Reddick in free agency. And the the interesting part about Hassan Reddick is that from 2017 to 2019, it felt like his numbers were decent. Then he explodes, double-digit sacks, 12 and a half in 2020. Then you have Derek Brown in the middle there. Do you like this Panthers defensive line? And where do you give the matchup advantage right now as we record? So what I like, whenever a team does what the Panthers did, they created a list of attributes that they wanted to execute for. So they said... We want to run this defense. This is our theory. This is what we know how to teach. This is what we're good at coaching. We're going to select for those things. Speed is one thing that it sounds really silly, but like they want really fast guys. Speed, that they love that. I know everyone says that, but not everyone really knows what that means. And they went for on the pads, on, on the field speed, right? So not just like 40 times. I'm talking about like measured speed over the course of actual game footage. So they went for speed. I think having a cohesive strategy 
is is the best way to start. If we're all rowing in the same direction, boat goes there. How many puns can I make? Right, whatever. Like, <laughs> so silly. But um, but but I like what they've done, and I think once they gel together, it's going to be a. I actually think the Panthers are a sneaky underrated potential playoff team, especially in that division with kind of the the Falcons and potentially the Saints having some down down years. So I do think that the the Panthers are in my opinion, sneaky, sneaky good. So I, I do think that they have a, a very strong team and I think it's, you know, losing to the Panthers is if that happens, it's, that's like, it's not losing to a team who didn't win any games last year. It's not losing to a team who's going to be middling. I think that this is at least about an above 500 team, if not playoff bound. I feel like that's the vibe around the Panthers right now. When you talk to and you hear different analysts talk about the Panthers, like they're a sneaky, good team. They're young. They're if fast. They can get it together. Right. You know, right. They, they put all the pieces there. Now you have to execute. But the pieces make good sense. On both sides of the ball. And that leads me to third down. But before we get there, I just want to say again, this is the Game Preview Podcast. I'm Ethan Greenberg, Cynthia Freeland. This is presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport bet together at WinBet. So moving on here to the Panthers offense. You got, we got to talk about Christian McCaffrey, right? I mean, this would not be a game preview podcast if we were not to talk about the third player in NFL history with 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards, which, of course, happened in 2019. Yeah, so obviously he's coming back from injury. In 2019, no offensive player played more snaps, nor no non-quarterback offensive player played more snaps than McCaffrey. Uh, it, he's a... The problem with McCaffrey when you're trying to defend him, I've seen, you know, you know who's actually really good at it is Todd Bowles because we've seen him do that now at, at Tampa Bay. But the problem with defending Christian McCaffrey is we don't know what he's added to his game in the season, right? Like with Joe Brady, who, if you remember the LSU offense, you know, back when Joe Burrow was just absolutely lighting it up, that guy knows how to game plan for some passes and some runs, and Christian McCaffrey does both. So, at the end of the day, it's going to be difficult to see what happens with him. And especially, you know, I, I actually love this, the Jets defensive front. I, I wish that Carl Austin were there, obviously. But, you know, I think they've done made a lot of great moves. I don't think it's going to be this game where, you know, I, I, I just I don't think it's going to be look, I don't think it's going to look bad. I just think it's going to it's really hard to stop Christian McCaffrey, even if you're Todd Bowles with a Super Bowl winning defensive front. So it's it's or Super Bowl winning defense. Right. So, you know, I, Christian McCaffrey is just a very hard person to defend, especially given the, the, they did some things on their O-line to help their O-line is not complete. It's not a hundred percent, but Christian McCaffrey does erase a lot of those problems. And he's somebody that you got to account for on every single down. He's got speed. He's got strength, quickness. He's got it all. The, the number that stood out to me most, Cynthia was, you know, he played in three games in 2020 and last year, the Panthers scored about five more points per game. They had 416 yards with him per game compared to 334 yards without him. They converted nearly 50% on third down. I mean, and this is just somebody who played, like I said, in just three games. So that the numbers are staggering with such a small sample size, at least to somebody who's not very analytical like me. Yeah, look, the, the numbers are staggering for good reason. 
The Panthers also have a really good wide receiving core. You know, Robbie Anderson, who Jets fans are very familiar with. But DJ Moore is like super underrated, just league-wide. Nobody talks about him as much. He draws coverages very efficiently and effectively, creating more space for everyone else. So I and even Terrace Marshall Jr., who they drafted this year, remember LSU ties back to Joe Burrow. They they worked together there. So uh, to Joe Brady, sorry, and Joe Burrow. Um, but ultimately Terrace Marshall, he's kind of like a possession receiver. He's got that big body and, you know, he's a good addition to the other receivers that they had along that core too. So they're, they're, they're pretty stacked when it comes to those key skill areas, even though we don't, other than Christian McCaffrey, I don't know. Sometimes you, you, I've been doing a bunch of fantasy football drafts. You're like, you forget about DJ Moore. you know, you forget about, you know, other people, maybe not Jets fans, but others might forget about Robbie Anderson, you know, like these are good receivers, like very good receivers. So. And both and both those guys had over a thousand yards receiving last year. DJ Moore, a couple numbers stood out to me. He averaged 18 yards a catch just north of there last year, fifth in the NFL in receiving yards since 2018. I mean, those are some legitimate numbers for DJ Moore. And I think you're right. I don't think he necessarily gets the credit that maybe he's deserved because of when you look at his numbers, he's a very productive player. I think that's the matchup that a lot of Jets fans are keying in on. The Panthers receivers, like you said, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall against this Jets young, 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 one more young, young cornerbacks group. And that's going to be a big matchup for the Jets. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, I I definitely, we're not going to get through this down without talking about, I love Sheldon Rankins. We're going to talk about him and the kind of the impact I think he's going to have because you got to like have some time to throw the ball. So maybe that's, you know, that right. Yeah, that like, the more pressure you get, the bet, you know, whatever. So I, in this, in the middle of their O-line is a spot, but I do think, you know, look, young, young corners mean they need to learn a little bit. So it's just tricky because if you want to put it in fantasy football terms with Teddy Bridgewater last year, the Panthers had three top 25 wide receivers, kind of sneaky. No, I, I didn't, when I looked at that, I was like, is that true? Like I had to look at it twice. Right. So <laughs> did, you know, did it, I put the right numbers in there? I know. I'm like, is that, <laughs> does that even, does that even look right? But you know, so there, it's kind of, it's, you just don't think of them as this like passing powerhouse, but maybe we should because the numbers support it. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call one 800 270 Right. And that kind of leads us into fourth down, which is Sam Darnold, right? And the Panthers passing game. And you talk about Sheldon Rankins. This is this is the down to talk about Sheldon Rankins because the Jets are going to have to get home to Sam Darnold in order to have a chance to win this game with interior pressure from Quinn and Williams and Sheldon Rankins. To your point, Carl Austin would have been a huge part of any game plan. Definitely this week. When you look at that Panthers offensive line. I feel like talking to different people, the most, the bigger question on the group comes on the left side of their offensive line, which is where Carl Lawson would have lined up. Fun fact right now, the right tackle who they franchise tagged and subsequently paid. Um, he's from my hometown. I'm from a very small town in Michigan. So like wow. anybody from my town. Um, so is like the only person in the league like ever. So Taylor Moten. <laughs> uh, but is, is there a day named after Taylor Moten in your hometown yet? 
we, like we have like four stop signs and like three lights, something like that. So probably, you know, <laughs> maybe like maybe the railroad ca- crossing, who knows, but you know, whatever. So uh, the right side is good. The, he's, he's a good right tackle. Their left is dicey. So you're right. The, the Carl Lawson, the loss of Carl Lawson would, will be felt in that specific spot more so. Um, the interesting part for me on all of this is the interior stuff is where we've seen Sam Darnold have some issues, right? So Sam Darnold, the pressure was coming from all over, but it was especially daunting when it was kind of coming in his face. Most quarterbacks, that's true for outside pressure. They don't really see, so typically they won't feel it. It doesn't mess up their mechanics. So it, it'll be interesting to see how – I. my reason for liking Sheldon Rankin so much is that because he was injured, people kind of forget that he's – really fast. So his first, you know, he had Achilles injuries, right? So, you know, his first burst and I like burst because burst is like, like Aaron Donald is the most bursty player to like ever play. Right. So, and you see that, that burst, you see it, it's like twitch, whatever. And I think people don't recognize that Sheldon Rankins is more twitched up than, than people give him credit for. Right. So, you know, he, in that, in that saints defense, they got a lot of twitchy guys, right. Cam Jordan's very fast as well. So maybe it didn't look as fast as it will look for when he's now that he's a jet. Well, you know, Sheldon Rankins had eight sacks a couple of years ago. That's a very impressive number, especially coming from the interior of the offensive line and against this Panthers offensive line, the jets defensive line knows that that they have their work cut out for them because of the young secondary in the back end. And that's probably going to be the case throughout the course of the season. But, you know, Cynthia, in terms of Darnold, I, I wonder what the numbers from your perspective say about him, because if you look at the box score and you look at it, you go to pro football reference, you go to NFL.com, you look at his numbers, the numbers aren't, aren't great, right? Uh, There's no way to sugarcoat that. But then you hear people talking about Sam Darnold. You called it a win, win, win. Win for the Jets, win for the Panthers, win for Sam Darnold himself. The the book around Sam was, well, was it, you know, was it coaching? Was it the supporting cast out wide? Was it the offensive line? And it feels like across the league, and if you're the Panthers, you're hoping that the glimpse of talent that you saw, especially like Sam's rookie year towards the end of the season and throughout his career with the Jets, you hope that is what is what uh, transpires more consistently. But what are numbers like? How, how do you break down a player like that where maybe it's hard to break down analytically the situation that he was in? So first of all, let's the number that's interesting to me is what the expectations say from a money standpoint, right? So, you know, the trade happened and, the, and then they franchise tagged him. So it was like it ends up being a, an average of like about 10 million a year for him, which is the same as Washington is paying for Ryan Fitzpatrick which is the same as many teams are paying for if, if you look at that 10, if you use that 10 number, mm-hmm. it's the same as many teams are paying for a backup. Now the Panthers were drafting eighth. Eighth was not in this draft. We all knew that wasn't going to be good enough to get up high. Like what would you have had to get a, to get even to three which would be monstrous. So they were looking at it as, okay, who can we get that can execute the stuff we want to do and be in the right price range so that we can make our whole team better. Because getting J.C. Horn then made a lot more sense from them from like a whole strategic standpoint. A.J. Boye, of course, they brought over. I believe he's still suspended. That's whatever, two games, whatever, one, two games, something like that. So the idea of creating more value for everyone and being able to say, okay, we're going to take a shot on this person whose skill set matches exactly what Matt Rule and Joe Brady know how to coach. 
and that's that's to me where the win-win comes in. Now, Sam Darnold's numbers have to all be taken in context. How many times does someone get mono? Like, not a lot. Like, I, there are <laughs> well, there's not a lot of friends well, in right. their lifetime, probably. No, I mean, like, you know, how many times a quarterback get mono while they're playing in the NFL? Like, right. this doesn't happen. Like, some, and then there was a strange season. Like, just a lot of strangeness. Last year was also a strangeness as well, right? So, I mean, everything was backwards and you didn't get a chance to have like the normal sort of learning curve because there was no, you know, no communication. It was all zoom, whatever. So long story short, like wipe the clean, the slate, the slate clean, and then say, what does Sam Darnold do? Well, well, since USC, Sam Darnold has been a really good deep passer. He needs a little time to do it because most people do. He's not quite the off platform thrower that like say a Patrick Mahomes or even a Josh Allen is. He needs to get his, his, his base set. He needs his fundamentals, right? Then he can, then he's a very good deep passer. First year when he was playing under Todd Bowles, like we saw a lot of good deep passing. He took a lot of sacks and he kept going, right? And could connect on those deep routes. So deep routes, those game changing plays, those are really the areas where you can totally turn things around very quickly. So I think what will happen is Joe Brady will be able to kind of rehab. Remember, Joe Burrow had some gnarly numbers the year before he came to LSU. LSU obviously was stacked with like a bunch of first round talent absolutely everywhere, but that aside, he still was able to craft an offense where Joe Burrow had historic numbers from, you know, not so great numbers elsewhere. So I, I think it'll look better. Like I actually think Sam Darnold, this could be, you know, I'm not going to call it Ryan Tannehill, but it's going to be, you know, because to me, when you talk about Ryan Tannehill, it's like, there's also like, you know, it's not that dissimilar. Derek Henry, Julio Jones now, right. you know, it, I, I, I'm not going to go that far, but I am going to say it's going to be more towards that trajectory. All right. Some high praise. Also, I mean, you're right. You did see the glimpses throughout his Jets career and his rookie year. And then even last year, the two off-platform throws that I think about were week two against the 49ers and then week three against the Colts when he bought some time with his feet. So, I mean, this is this is an entertainment business, but right? Like, everyone's excited for this. But he got set on those, right? On the run right. and off-platform, different right when he can get set as long as he can get set deep ball bam it's it's smoking but and look sometimes you just got like you're better off like like everyone's I think I truly think and I'm like this is not a in in any way shape or form like hyperbole I think it is one of the first win-win-wins that I've seen in since I can remember when it comes for a trade I I think that sentiment the win-win-win is kind of what everybody thinks. It seems to be the consensus about the trade. And, you know, to wrap up our first episode of the Game Preview Podcast, Cynthia, where do you think the biggest mismatch is for the Jets? And what mismatches then do the Jets have to take advantage of to give themselves a chance to come back home and host the Patriots 1-0? and Well, I think that the corners, the Jets' corners in this matchup are going to be a tricky one because it would seem that getting Christian McCaffrey going and then using the pass game to kind of get Sam Darnold back in his groove. It's a little poetic, right? I wouldn't be surprised if they have some Sam Darabi packages to, you know, capitalize on the, the sort of fun of all of it, right? Like, you know, you, you go back and it's like, Hey, like, like they're coming to our place and we've got this big cat, Sir Purr, and he needs to see you score a touchdown, Robbie, you know, like something like that. So you know, I, I I would imagine those corners are going to get targeted quite a bit because I think they're trying to get his get his groove back, get his mojo back. So I think that that's probably it. But then on the other side, I'm telling you, I think you're going to see some really nice pressure up front. 
I do think the Jets defensive front is going to be a strength that we're going to talk about all season long. And I'm really, I am excited to see what happens with the receivers and the pass game. And I am so stoked to see Zach Wilson. I'm telling you like week five, week six, it's going to be like, I'm going to want to talk about him in every single down. I'll try to work it out. Like <laughs> I'll try to end around you to get it. But you know, in this first one, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this front because that is Robert Salas bread and butter. And I love it. And I also know sneaky good. Like I'm, I'm really excited to see a really good um, it's on ESPN, but it's a great story about Salah this weekend too. It's my tease. Hey, the energy's high around one jet drive. Cynthia is bringing the juice from California, Hermosa beach. And that's how we close the first episode of the game preview podcast presented by WinBet. Betting's a team sport. Bet together at WinBet Jets Panthers Sunday, 1 p.m. in week one. Cynthia, thank you again. And we'll thank see you, you next week.